Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome to episode 19. Thanks for sticking with us. As always, it's your host, Steve Opolinik. Um, Before we get started on who the guest for the podcast is today, let me just throw this out there that the Promethean Project, our nonprofit, is having a self-care and wellness event February 1st at Eastworks in East Hampton, Massachusetts. It starts at 10 and will go to about 3 or 4. Um, the focus is really on using self-care and wellness to prepare yourself for the upcoming holidays and to enter into 2020 with a focus on uh, taking care of yourself. The event is actually called Fill Your Cup, and we're excited to have many different speakers come in and present on different ideas and thoughts of self-care. We're also going to have some great vendors that focus on wellness and self-care, and we'll have some raffles uh, that will be focused, as you could guess, on self-care and wellness. And we're going to top it all off with the Jeremy McIntosh Award for using art as self-care and expression of self. Uh, that will be at the end of the day. We're going to have local adolescents donate some of their art, written, digital, um, paintings, drawings, sketches, whatever it is, they're going to donate art to us and we're going to raffle that off, but we're also going to give out awards to a couple of the adolescents that use their art to showcase how they use it as self-care. So we're excited about all of this stuff and it's actually a really good introduction to who we have on the podcast today. Our guest today is Dr. Christopher Willard. He's a psychologist and educational consultant. Uh, that works in Boston, and his bread and butter is mindfulness. Now, mindfulness is something that is kind of a buzzword now, and if you if you hearken back to episode four, where we had Grace Cavadlo on, we talked about mindfulness being a buzzword, and how I really like to approach the idea as sobriety from distraction. But mindfulness is different for each person, and it could be encompassed in hiking, walking in the woods, which is actually the name of episode 19, reading, writing, coloring, uh, a bunch of different stuff, and, and Dr. Willard and I get into that. But I was really excited to have Dr. Willard on the podcast because I have seen him a couple times. I got to see him in a meditation and mindfulness seminar held by Harvard Medical School. I also... Uh, took his certification in mindfulness through PESI, which is a company that does continuing education for therapists and, and, and counselors. And it was really striking. He really had a really good way to break down mindfulness in, into base parts and, and make it practical. Some people have different definitions, like we talked about, of, my, of mindfulness, and they can get really esoteric and really, really hard to understand. But 
Dr. Willard does a really good job breaking that down and making it easy to understand. So much so that he works with a lot of younger kids and adolescents on mindfulness. He's got several books, uh, some of which called The Child's Mind, Growing Up Mindful, Raising Resilience, and many other books. But the ones we talk about today are Alpha Breaths, which I'll put in the show notes. It's a fantastic book for, for breath control and breaking down breathing for younger kids. And it uses each letter of the alphabet to teach a different breath. So you don't get into the weeds of saying, oh, we want to slow down our breath to calm our body down. Uh, it becomes a lot more fun. And it's a good reference in case you ever try to get a kid to calm down and have trouble saying calm down and, <laughs> and having them listen to you. Uh, he's got a couple new books coming out. He drops in, in the podcast, and I'm really excited about them, including one that actually uses the book as a tool for mindfulness and has different activities you can do with the book to practice mindfulness. So I could talk about Dr. Willard all day. He's a great guy. I really enjoyed talking to him. And I hope you enjoy the podcast as well. So episode 19 coming at you now. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. Welcome to episode 19. Today our guest is Dr. Christopher Willard. Hi, great Hi. to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Thanks for coming on. Episode 18, I had Susan Piver on, and I had seen both of you at Harvard Medical School Meditation and Mindfulness Seminar earlier this year. And awesome. so I was, both of you really... All of the presenters kind of moved me, but both of you, I really connected to your presentation and really enjoyed it, um, especially because you did the superhero breath and, and did some <laughs> spidey action on there. Uh, and I don't know if you can see in the background, I'm a huge geek. I have a lot of Very Captain nice. America up in my office. <laughs> you uh, could be even more breath than, than that, I'm sure. Right. Um, so I, I was just wondering if you could, I know a little bit of your background, but I like to have the guests give me a little bit of their background. So I don't know if you have a, a short summation of, of who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So, so now, um, I guess I can start there and then, then maybe go back in time just a little bit. So these days I do a lot of different stuff as it relates to mindfulness and, and positive psychology and meditation. And I feel unbelievably lucky with how much how many different kinds of things I get to do um, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a person despite having an interest in mindfulness that does not always do well doing one thing at a time. Right. <laughs> um, so these days I do, I, I write books for adults, I write books for kids. Um, I work as a, as a therapist. I'm sitting in my office actually between patients as we record this. Um, and I, I spend a lot of time also um, traveling all over the place and, and, and doing workshops about mindfulness and meditation and positive psychology for, you know, just for, for wellness, for healing, um, things like that. And, and again, it just feels like so much fun. I feel so lucky. And I, you know, a, a particular niche of mine has been teaching mindfulness to, to kids and young people. And part of that came out of some of my own experiences and it, when I was young, I really wanted to find out, and I discovered mindfulness, I wanted to 
figure out a way to teach this stuff to younger people so that they could be just much more resilient. Right. And so I never like heard the word mindfulness when I was growing up, right? Nowadays, it's like very, very trendy, obviously. Yeah, and, and I'm so I'm, I'm glad of that, right? Um, <clears throat> but I had these memories of like going to nature camp and, and just walking in the woods. And they would say, let's, let's just walk as silently as we can in the woods you know, without making a sound. And, and then I took a mindfulness course as a young adult and it was like, oh, that takes so much focus to walk silently. That's kind of like that thing I did when I was a kid or like just listening to all the sounds in the forest or being with my dad and just like watching clouds in the sky kind of forming and unforming and eventually disappearing. And, um, and, and these kinds of things that some of us grew up doing, hopefully we're cultivating in our kids, hopefully we're still doing. Right. And I, I think I kind of call this and I was like mindfulness before mindfulness and encouraging us to all like reflect, like, what was it for you? What was your first experience? Um, and, and often like that's something in nature. Um, nature is this tremendous healing power, which we know from all kinds of new research on, you know, sort of like the forest bathing trends and things like that. It's so powerful for us and it, and it connects us to something larger than ourselves. And it also just kind of provokes mindfulness. So that's kind of where it was initially started. And then I go off to college and have a really epic meltdown in my junior year of college. And I'm anxious and I'm depressed and I'm doing tons of drugs and I'm, you know, actually end up quite addicted to shooting heroin and among everything and left school, um, tried to go to treatment, didn't help, you know, kept falling apart, falling lower and lower. Um, you know, really, you know, totally, you know, one bottom after another. And eventually, I was actually sleeping in a park since I didn't have anywhere else to go. And um, and I, I called up my parents and they said, you know, like, well, you know, we, we, we can't help you unless you go to treatment. But, you know, next week we're going on a, a, a meditation retreat and, and I guess you can come with us on that. And they must have thought that's safe and far away from drugs and things like that. And... Um, and I did. That was 1999 with Thich Nhat Hanh, and and that was like my first week being <laughs> being sober and clean was like on this retreat, That's amazing. and it was so transformative for me as 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 you can imagine. And as as Thich Nhat Hanh and other wonderful meditation and mindfulness and spiritual teachers have been for so many people, um, you know, that was really the the beginning of my journey back as well as my journey into meditation and contemplative practice and to my journey back into creativity and mindfulness and took another year off from school and dove more into that and um, kind of continued from from there. I went back to school and then taught for a while and then became a therapist and then all this other ride has been happening where I, 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 I've been trying to just, you know, te- teach what I've learned really from other or great books or just things I've observed or people I've worked with, you know, who have so much to offer and try to bring, bring other people's voices through. And it's, it's been quite a journey. So that's how it got started for me. There's the, the awesome. long end question. <laughs> I thank you for being so open. Cause, cause that's a lot, you know, there's a lot into what you just said in the last five minutes that I would like to dive into a little bit and also reflect <laughs> sure. that I also had this weird thing in sophomore or junior year of, of 
just high anxiety and depression studying psychology at UMass Amherst. And Mm -hmm. I I remember specifically there was an abnormal psych class I was taking and it just kind of beat me down among other things that were going on. And I was like, man, there's so much out there. Is this really what I want to be doing? And had all these questions and I started like missing some school and, and just going to the movies a lot to, to kind of retreat into my shell and coping through a food addiction. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the coolest things similarly to you, but not quite. Um, my brother does Tai Chi and and Qigong and he's seven years older than me. And I mentioned him a lot on the podcast and he took me to Brookline and we did a Taoist yoga, um, seminar for the weekend. And it was this really cool just being away from life as I knew it in that moment um, mm-hmm. and being around other people. And I like to joke around. That's when I learned about uh, chemical sensitivities because I was like a younger, younger adult and I, I was wearing cologne and my brother was huh. like, Hey man, like when we're, when people are meditating, you can't, you can't just like shower in cologne. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I thought I, you know, was doing something nice. But, um, and that was kind of where my journey started and has evolved from as well and you know i I went through a couple things in college where it's like oh maybe i'll be a history teacher maybe i'll do this Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day once i kind of found myself through some of this process i i really realized that being a therapist is what i wanted to be and that's that's kind of you know we're kind of kindred souls in that that sense yeah it's awesome to hear your story and, and and the parallels to kind of what i've gone through as well yeah yeah. And I think like, yeah, I mean, and I just feel like becoming a, a therapist, it's this, it is this really, for me anyway, it's this wonderful way of, of helping people and feeling like I've got integrity and, you know, not, not bringing like, you know, bringing some of my experiences to, to, to the work, not necessarily bring my experiences to the people I'm working with, you know what I mean? So it's not like, I'm, I'm not like sharing every detail of my life with whoever's sitting in front of me, but like, but knowing from, you know, in some ways our own journey. And once we hopefully like work that out, you know, then we can start to really work effectively with people and, it, and, and people want to work with someone through something, right. you know, <laughs> like not that we always share what that is, but it's like, you know, we, we've got a hard, hard won wisdom, I think in a lot of ways. And yeah. 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 And I think one of the things you said in, in that opening, too, that I really liked was learning and hearing their voice and using their voice also to help educate people and, and guide people, because that's one of the best things I, I find about therapy is you have this unique situation to meet someone so vulnerable in, in 50 minutes or however long you do the session to know them in an intimate way that maybe some of the family or uh, friends don't know and and hopefully if you have a good alliance or a bond that can kind of come out and there's a lot of wisdom in working with people, not just this top down. Oh, I have this degree, so I'm going to tell you what to do. It's, it's like, Hey, let's, let's work through this together. And you learn a lot from, you know, even a five-year-old, they teach you a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I do feel like, yeah, just learning so much like from this work and feeling like I'm just sort of like, you know, sharing the wisdom of someone who sat on my couch. I mean, literally this morning, it was like, what someone shared at 9 a.m., I then, I, you know, didn't tell that exact story, but that's like trans, transformed into like something I was, you know, working on with the next person in the session, like just being able to, you know, almost, you know, like connect people who aren't actually connected, like, mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully just, you know, keep keep kind of multiplying this, this wisdom between people. And yeah. Yeah, I, I like having a notebook separate from my notes that are just quotes from people without 
using their names that, that are really relevant that I find just kind of blow my mind. And yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny how much comes out. Even like I said, seven year olds are just like, well, it's not really that. And you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> it's not really that. Why am I thinking so much about this thing? And they just have this yeah. easy kind of like, oh, but that's not, that's not happening now. So why would I worry about that? And you're like, Oh, you're right, man. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. So, I wanted to ask you, so mindfulness is, is kind of a, a, a pretty pop culture word now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's used a lot and there are many different definitions of, of what it is exactly. You know, you mm -hmm. have uh, MBSR, mindfulness based stress reduction have a different definition than a Zen mindfulness practice. Um, mm -hmm. what's, yeah. the, what's your understanding of what the practice of mindfulness actually is? Yeah. I, I actually love this question, um, and I, I was actually I was doing my own kind of like thing where I was interviewing people, and, and one of the interviews was someone who you know does a lot of mindfulness stuff. They're like, so so okay, in this interview, do you mean like mindfulness, or do you mean sort of like what mindfulness kind of means now in the, in the right. larger popular culture? Right. And I was like, I guess kind of both. Like I think you know for that interview, it ended up being sort of like contemplative practice in general, you know, which, you know, in a technical way is, is different than just mindfulness, which is one part of that, right? right. But I, I actually really love this question because I, and, and I think that we're in an interesting kind of cultural moment with like, you know, what do we do? Do we want to actually expand the definition of mindfulness, you know, or do we want to, you know, like kind of be a bit more conservative about it, you know, and, and, and retaining some of the, you know, like Eastern traditions behind it or do we want to get technical about it and look at it from like a clinical perspective or do we want to be even more open you know as to what it is and I think there are there are really interesting kind of arguments and debates on all sides I mean I think it's important that we have people that really want to keep this pure because I think it also is really important that it have like rigorous standards and a rigorous definition um, also need to be aware of sort of like you know cultural appropriation and issues like that at the same time, we also want this to reach as many people as possible. If it can be a helpful practice and 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 helpful way of life, and, and that will require some loosening, maybe of of what that definition is. We also need to study it. You know, I yeah. think as like someone who is just in research, it's like, and when you study something, you have to really clearly define it again. So it's like, you know, to me, I really go back to probably my first connection, which is Thich Nhat Hanh and that retreat from 1999 and it's like just kind of being being aware of what I'm doing with intention um, knowing what I'm doing as I'm doing it <laughs> um, being in the moment with whatever's happening you know that's that's how I think of it personally you know when I give talks I give a more clinical like paying attention to the present moment with non-judgmental <laughs> yeah. acceptance and you know like intention and it's like that's useful. It's it's depending on the context. I think it's it's different. And then I I work with kids a lot. I was just giving. I was just reading some books to to kids that, that I'd written the other day in Ohio. And and I was like, man, how do I define mindfulness? Like a bunch of seven year olds sitting in front of me, right. and like so I asked them, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> it's breathing. It's noticing other people. It's noticing how your body feels. It's like. So I think we want to have some some rough guidelines around things, but we also want to be like allow for things to evolve. But ev but evolution, we want things to evolve, but we also don't want them to like dilute. 
right? right? Like those are also like different things. So it's, I, I think this is a really interesting question. And then one of the things I did was I started interviewing people around the world, like what does mindfulness mean in Brazil? How do you even right. say that in Brazilian Portuguese? What does it mean in, you know, Chinese? How does it get translated? Like, you know, what about German? What about Finnish? And it's 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 kind of fascinating to see all how culturally there are some words that are already in some cultures and some languages and some words that are, you know, in some ways, you know, like new. And a lot of what's happened is in many places in the world now, they just say mindfulness. They don't actually say in their in their own language. And yeah, oh, mindfulness. Is, yeah. Itself is sort of an English word, but it's it's mostly pointing back to, you know, the sort of Sanskrit kind of like remembering to remember, remembering to be aware concept. So anyway, that didn't quite answer your question, but I, I think I maybe raised more questions than answered, but no, definitely. it's getting us thinking a little bit. I mean, I think the the fact that you're taking these interviews from different cultures and, and talking about this concept is really great because I think we, we lose that sometimes mm-hmm. that, you know, what be, what might mindfulness mean for me is different from the person next door, but then culturally it's also different. I mean, even if we look in America, you know, our practice of mindfulness for men may be right. a little bit more free than the practice for women or from people of color or, or any of these kind of demographics. And it's interesting because when I've talked to kids about mindfulness too, they're like, Oh, we talk about that in school. And I'll ask them, okay, what, how do you practice in school? And it's a lot of like to be mindful of Mm. what the teacher is saying or, you know, what your peer is doing. And it's an interesting concept to grasp there because it's kind of that old school you better be mindful of me mentality. <laughs> mentality. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, and then we have a, a conversation about that too. Be mindful of your behavior. Yeah. Here's the mindfulness corner for you to go sit in now that you've been misbehaving. That's right. literally probably the number one feedback in younger kids in school. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, let's work on what, what it looks like as a practice away from school. And then we, <laughs> then we incorporate it back in. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so many moving parts to it that it, it's hard to really understand. And I think that's part of it, too, is yeah. the discipline is, is it is what it is for you. And it doesn't you don't yes. have to define it to a general public. It's your own practice it's your own discipline. Right. And then I think there is this kind of interesting cultural thing that comes up. Like I, you know, like I, I, I teach a lot in different countries, which is super fun. And, you know, it's like, you know, I go to Latin America a lot where there's other things that are a big part of that culture, like, you know, like Argentina, like dance and tango and, and so much of Latin America dance is a thing. And people are like, is dance mindfulness? And, like, you know, and then I feel this sort of like crunch around, well, mindfulness can't be everything, although everything can be done mindfully. Right. But at the same time, then I don't want to like dismiss practice if like dance is really important to them personally and healing for them personally and has a really important role in a certain culture or subculture that may exist in, in North America as well. And I was thinking about when one asked me about like, you know, is, is dance mindfulness or is like gospel music mindfulness? And, and, I, and I was reflecting and I was like, in a sense, like, no, but we can do those things mindfully. In another sense, like what we actually need to do is in some ways like devote more resources to proving why like right. dance is really good for you and why gospel music has healing properties and, and say like these have 
you know, similar and other really incredible healing properties. And I think then, you know, as it gets mixed up with some of the cultural baggage, you know, and, and the being perceived these days as like a white thing and a white male thing, mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's because that, then it's going to get the research behind it. So like, let's get research behind dance and let's get research behind movement practices and let's get research behind other other cultural practices from other cultural groups that are really valuable and really incredible. And I think that's that's also in some ways like the bigger question and the bigger thing that we can maybe work on besides just like, can we put this into mindfulness category? Yes and no, but can we also give these other things the same respect that they deserve um, and value them or at least investigate them in the same way? Because I think that's, that's really important too. Um, and something I've been kind of like wrestling with, as people say, is running mindfulness, is, is uh, you know, is, is looking at the sky, mindfulness, these other kinds of questions that I think are really interesting ones. Yeah, and I think, and then you can even ask the question a little bit further is, well, if it's beneficial for you, does it matter if it's mindfulness or not? Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of philosophical <laughs> kind of <laughs> it's easy to, go that to it, you know. <laughs> well, what is this? And if I'm doing this, then it's, you know, there's a, it's a lot of that that stuff. Yeah. But I think finding your own practice is is a great thing. Yeah, um, and, and talking about it's a great thing. So you work the practice. Yeah, the practice can evolve too. It's like since since I have my own kids, it's like yeah, sitting on a meditation cushion is not happening a lot. Like right. I'm needing to figure out like what what is a practice that I can do that fits into having a five year old and a two year old. It's it's different. It's maybe a walking practice. It's maybe a gratitude practice. It's maybe you know something else besides going on you know the the five day week long retreats that I went on when I was you know twenty five and didn't have kids around to take care of. It's a lot harder to go to a week long uh, meditation retreat when when you have a four or five two year old at home. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Actually, uh, my daughter and I went for a walk. it snow. Did it snow up in Boston? Yeah, we got a little yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. got enough to coat yeah. the trees to make it look like a winter wonderland that everyone wants. <laughs> and uh, my daughter and I actually went on a small walk through the woods and, and just kind of looked at the trees and, and kind of looked at our footprints as we're walking through the woods and how it kind of changes the landscape. And that's right. one of it was only like a five to ten minute walk because uh, it was cold out. But um, it was a really cool thing that I, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, this is amazing to share with her. And she was just to kind of be slipping and sliding all over the place on, yeah, the, yeah. on the snow on the leaves and all, all of that stuff. So, And I think like ask, asking questions that provoke mindfulness, we don't have to say to our kids, like, we're going to go for a mindful walk in the woods, right. go do forest bathing, but just like going in the woods and being like, you know what, let's just like try not talking for a while and noticing the sounds. You know what? Let's just try noticing like the different colors, or how does it look different on the walk in when it's daytime than on the walk back when it's like the sun is starting to right. set. It's almost just like mindfulness is like a, a provocation, and to me, another critical ingredient in mindfulness is curiosity. Is it's about provoking curiosity about right. ourselves, about the world, about our experience, about our emotions, about our things. Like, and again, sometimes it's asking little questions like that that can start to provoke more mindfulness even if it's not like perfectly mindful i'm aware of every step but i'm becoming more aware of a few different things around me i think that's also in some ways what it's about is moving toward mindfulness with prompts and and conversations like that yeah yeah and i like i like what you're talking about too because 
one of my favorite ways to do mindfulness with younger kids is movement-based mindfulness and mm. not- noticing how we move and how we w- and registering different parts of our body and how they change when we change the movement and we, we do mm-hmm. different, uh, you know, skipping rather than walking backwards rather than, <laughs> yeah. you know, buzzing while we walk, you know. Right. And uh, right. the kids are like, oh, we're just playing, but it's a cool practice of, of yeah. getting them to just pay attention to what's going on inside of them and and in their environment in that moment. Absolutely. Just provoking awareness, provoking curiosity rather than shutting it down. Yeah. 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 And then usually I let them pick a movement at the end and it usually evolves (laughs) into uh, forward rolls and log rolls. And even that's kind of fun because I don't know if you've ever done it, but when a younger kid tries to do a log roll, they never go straight. They usually (laughs) usually do a semicircle. They're like, oh, how how am I? Yeah. But again, because it's like, why is this happening? Like, and and I think like, so much of what I want for my own kids and for other kids is to grow up and and maintain that curiosity that they have when they're like, you know, again, my daughter right now is being sold. And it's like, her level of curiosity and like she 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 on purpose walks forwards and backwards with her eyes closed because she wants to just see what the world is like like that yeah. like let's keep doing that like you know maybe once then we learn what it's like you know and it gets this but like again but just keep that curiosity keep exploring with our senses not with our thoughts like in the world and noticing opening to to new possibilities right. like and and it's i think what is a shame about you know uh, you know these these devices that we all have is mm-hmm. that they up inhibiting curiosity or they give us answers rather than helping us learn how to ask questions um and remain curious and it's it's like yeah i have have a friend who's a mindfulness teacher and he always always says so you don't have any questions and people always say yeah he's like well i've got i've got responses i don't have answers (laughs) i I don't love that like can we all have that kind of humility yeah that's a good way to approach it (laughs) um wait and actually my daughter is turned last year so in a couple months and uh she was doing that eyes closed thing, but she was doing it going down the stairs. And I was like, well, let's, <laughs> let's practice that a different way. <laughs> not, right. not the best place to do that. that practice of um, but you're right. I do think as, as I counsel adolescents, it becomes a little bit of a different beast with mindfulness. And it, it, you know, we start talking about things that they do. And most of the time mm-hmm. is, Oh, when I'm on my phone or, when I'm playing video games or, or something of that nature. And it kind of comes into this conversation of like, okay, what is mindfulness and what is distraction? And mm-hmm. you know, what is, yeah. is you're into the game, right? But, but are you actually participating and aware of everything that's going on around you? Or are you thinking to kind of escape things? Because a lot of kids, right. a lot of adolescents, once that tech is gone, they have panic attacks or they, they start they feeling down because then they're just left with their thoughts and nothing to kind of influence it one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this, this because becomes a tricky question. It's like, yeah, you're really in, in the moment in a sense, like when you're playing the video game, <laughs> um, but are you really aware of that? Are you also aware of like what it is that you're really feeling on a conscious level? Like you're pulled in, but that's different than being, aware or i heard one say like living in the moment is different than living for the moment and um actually i heard that when i was in very early early recovery like people kind of talking about how to you know live day by day and stay sober um and 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 i think sometimes we'll encourage them to it's very hard with video games but even to try to get again those sort of mindfulness provoking questions like 
how does your body feel before, during, and after the game? Right. Like, before I feel sluggish. During, I like, whoa, my heart is really pounding. Kind of interesting. Like, it's hard to think about anything else. Afterwards, I'm feeling kind of, like, amped up or burned out. Or, like, it's the way, like, an exercise I do with teens often also is, like, listen to listen to angry music and notice how your body feels. Right. Listen to sad music and notice how your body feels. Because these start to teach kids, like, how to be aware of what their emotional experience is, whereas the video game in general is moving too fast to be aware of what your actual experience right. is. You're reacting, you're not responding to like, those are very different things too. So, yeah. you know, but, but again, just getting curious, like with, with your screen, how do you feel when you're picking it up? Does your breath rate change? It does for most of us. What's yeah. it like to see those little red dots? Like they anxious when it's like, Oh, I've got another notification. Yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> I was I was actually listening to a, a book on I was going to say on tape, but I guess we're past that an audio book um, <laughs> talking about technology and, and younger kids. And um, I was at a local school about technology and adolescents and middle schoolers. And they they were using that book as a, as like a concept to bring it into the school. And uh -huh. I was listening, listening to it because I was where my philosophies kind of aligned with it. And one of the interesting things was what that instant, um, those notifications and, and the ability to respond so quickly to things, what that does to our brain and how it kind of switches from like the creative part of our brain to more task oriented mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. then it becomes, oh, I got a text. I need to respond right away. When in reality, right. the text is like, hey, what's what's going on? And yeah, like, oh, I don't have to answer that right now. Um, right. But then also it, it increases the impulsivity of how we actually respond, yeah, right? right? So rather than thinking it out is, oh, I have to respond right away, but then the quality of our communication through text shifts. Right. And I was, I was just re-listening to like a, this old rock, like audio book, um, for that matter, book on tape. I had it once on tape, you know, <laughs> now I have an audio file of it, um, and she was talking about that, like, just, just putting a pause between everything you do. Like, you get home and you park in the driveway. Can you pause before you reach for your bag and shut off the keys and go out the door? You walk in the door. Can you just pause for a moment before you then, like, start cooking? And, and with our phones, we do often, it's like, we just go from the one right to the phone. Right. right. It's like, you know, like my client leaves and I, you know, like want to just pick up my phone or like mm. my kid goes to the bathroom. And I just want to pick up my phone. It's like, no, that's the moment I could be lubricating in a sense, this moment right. in this transition, like with feeling my feet on the ground, noticing three sounds around me, right. taking a breath or two, like looking at the quality of light out the window and and even just that, I think, like our days just go smoother. The 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 cortisol, the doesn't pile up by the end of the day. It's it's still there, but it's not the way it was. Like we've been we've been working at it all day. We can like work on building our stress all day, or we can work on building our mindfulness all right. day. Yeah. Like it's it's filling the jar or whatever the seeds or you know karmic merit that we're building toward one thing or another. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think we all fell victim. I think last night when I came uh, home, I did check my phone before I did anything. I shut the car off, and nothing yeah. changed since the last time. But part of it's just like, oh, let me check in, see what's going on. Part of it's fantasy football too that you just have to check in to see which players are injured or, or whatnot. 
But I started in my own practice, I started doing affirmations between clients just to kind of release any energy that lingers in, in my body and brain from the, the session. Yeah. And then sometimes if it's a little, if I don't have time to do it or my mind's not there and I don't think to do it, I have, you know, kettles in my, underneath my desk. So I'll use like the uh -huh. five minutes to do some kettlebell swings, feel the weight, yeah. feel how my body responds and the smell right. of the iron. Um, yeah. I find smell to be such a good uh, focal oh, point. So for me. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so sometimes it's just that. And I'm guilty of just running around and checking my email, <laughs> even <laughs> though nothing's changed in 50 minutes. Um, but I do think that's a cool concept is uh, we can build our distraction or, or our stress or we could build mindfulness. Yeah. Because yeah. It's where we put that attention to. Right. I read this great, actually just giving this advice to someone sitting in my office because <laughs> um, I just, they're, they're feeling so rest, kind of rushing all the time. Um, with emails, I read the book. You should probably give him an interview. This guy, Leo Babuata, wrote a book called Zen Habits. And it's kind of about designing our days around like, don't check your email unless you actually have time to respond. And it's like, that is the best piece I've ever gotten. It's like, why am I why am I even checking this if I'm not responding? Because now I'm just going to be agitated for the next two hours until I can't actually respond to it. And it's not like I follow that habit, like, as well as I'd like to. But when I at least set the intention to do that, like, it makes a difference. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, with, like, with, with like stuff online, like, I, I, I made this intention, actually, when, you know, I think a lot of us probably felt very overwhelmed about the political situation. I'm not going to post bad news online and, let, and on Facebook or something saying what I'm going to do about it. Right. It's like, I'm not going to post like this horrible thing is happening about the environment unless I'm also saying, and today I'm not, you know, like driving my car and today I'm calling my senator or, you know, which for us is easy, but you know, like, but, but kind of like, why am I wasting my energy? Like to me, like, effort and right energy is not doing the thing that just gets me worked up. It's like trying to complete the task, see it all the way through to completion, yeah. whether it's a complaint or whether it's a problem or whether it's like an email. If I'm just now going to spend the next hour worried about, you know, like when I'm going to get back to it. Like, so why don't I take that time instead and, and pause, you know, and again, it's easier said than done. And I, I fall prey to it all the time, but it, 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 it's a helpful philosophy to try to hold no, I mean, that's, that's a great piece piece of advice right and even just setting that uh intention eventually yeah. it will start you know as things are wired together they fire together it will yeah. start start yeah. to become more of a habit and a response so that's i like that a lot actually um yeah. i was guilty of posting i usually don't post a lot of negative stuff on social media but i did this morning because i read the headline of trump um kind of berating greta for <sighs> And I was like, ah, oh, come on, man. Like, <laughs> she's 16 years old. Like, right, uh, right. But the, the good thing about that was the response and, and how, you know, shortly right. after she, she responded and changed her profile on, so, uh -huh. on Twitter, I think, to, to say that she was, he said something about she needs anger management and she needs to chill out. And so she changed her her headline on Twitter as being a 16 year old who is partaking in anger anger management and working on chilling out. And I was like, oh, okay, you, you know, that's that's the that's best awesome. way to respond to this kind of stuff. Uh, right, right. But you're right. you're right. The intent is is there, right? And then practicing. I think that's a really cool idea. Of if I'm going to post something, I should talk about 
you know, how I'm going to either practice what I'm, I'm posting or if it ain't mm-hmm. how I'm going to exact change uh, or move through the world making a change right. or something I don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great because <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be disagreements, but I feel like it's less of a heated argument if you're like, well, this is just what I'm doing. Right, <laughs> right. You can like it or not, yeah. but like this is my intent and this is how I'm going to move through the world. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, so I have two questions for you because I end my podcast. Absolutely, with I've been talking a lot. Two no, no, it's okay. Um, there, I feel like there's so much more we can unpack, um, but we'll we'll have to come back to that maybe in the future. But so, two questions I always end my podcast with are, mm-hmm. um, and we've established how geeky I am. So the first one is if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? A second is always what do you think your superpower is? Hmm. Good, man. This is like a little Rorschach too. I'm feeling the pressure. (laughs) Um, it's like, you know, the, you know, it's like you you could go selfish with this. You could go like, you know, like the ability to, you know, (laughs) and I guess a selfish one would be like, I'd love to be able to fly. Like, I think that'd be great. And it'd be great for, you know, my carbon footprint. Um, so that's doing something good. Um, (laughs) and you know, what, what, what do I think my superpower is? Um, to me, I feel like it's, it's like, it's, it's creativity and an increasing trust in, in, in my own creativity. And I, I think like trying to help other people than like unleash, unleash is a ridiculous word, but kind of like, you know, like, like, but, but tap into their own, um, creativity and and to figure out how they can like you know to facilitate a space in which people can can help themselves and come up with their own ideas i feel like that's what a good therapist does it's not tells you what to do but you know like lays some things out and helps you connect the dots in your own way and gets inspired same with a good teacher doesn't just give you information but like gives you and and then you fill them in your own way um, and I, I, I hope, I would hope that that would be my, my superpower anyway. <laughs> and I think, I actually think the word unleash is very apropos because we're talking about superpowers. So unleash is a very <laughs> yeah, comic book oriented, like unleash this. <laughs> um, I do want to talk before we sign off and uh, usually I'll let you say the last word. Um, uh, but before we get there, I do want to talk about alpha breaths a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of your books, younger kids. Uh, and you have a newer one that that just came out as well. Yeah, I've got I've got a bunch of stuff coming. Um, I yeah, Alpha Breaths, the ABCs of mindful breathing, um, and then um, it's just kind of a fun, silly book I wrote with my friend Daniel um, about you know like A is the alligator breath, and B is the butterfly breath, and C is the hot chocolate breath, and you know that that kind of thing. Um, and then um, another book I wrote with a friend of mine. Breathing makes it better. That was really inspired by Thich Nhat Hanh, his imagery and visualizations. And then um, my wife and I actually have a couple kids' books coming out nice. next year, which I'm super pumped about. Um, one called the Breathing Book, which is 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 used to to be your anchor of practice. So it's like put the book on your belly and feel it move up and down. Um, try balancing the book on your head. Um, listen, you know, does the sound of turning page 11 sound different than turning page 23? Oh, like, so you know, what's the weight of these kinds of like 
you know, silly, but like interactive ways of being mindful with the book itself. Um, so that feels like super fun and has been super, super creative uh, to do. And hopefully, hopefully people will like it. That sounds awesome. I might buy that just for me. um i I did buy alpha breaths and my daughter loves it um, Uh, because uh, i I think anyone who has a young kid if they're getting excited or if they're getting anxious or they're they're in the middle of tantrum or a breakdown telling them to breathe or like slowly breathe (laughs) is not really effective but if you can go over and i had her pick out um three of her favorite breaths and sometimes (laughs) we use it sometimes but um Uh she loves the superhero breath uh, mainly <laughs> probably because I get really into it. Um, and the hot chocolate breath she likes a lot too. Uh, uh, just the imagery of it, I think it, they're yeah. able to connect to it a little bit better than just like, oh, slow down your breathing, calm down, relax. <laughs> so I yeah. have it, I have it in my office right now, but I, it comes home every once in a while. Uh, so we can <laughs> nice. practice on that stuff. So I'm looking forward to the the um, breathing book. That that sounds great. Yeah. And if she's got other cool breaths, I think that's been super fun about that book. You know, I've been kind of traveling around, you know, kind of performing it, for lack of a better word, to different audiences. And uh, like I said, I was just in Ohio a couple days ago and, you know, read to all these like second graders. And then at the end, it's like, does anyone have any breasts you've made with Lauren that you want to share? And then I'm like furiously taking notes and sending them back to, to Daniel. And I'm like, we got to do uh, Alpha Breaths too. It's yeah, like crowd yeah. here with all these awesome, uh, yeah, awesome kids. So, yeah. <laughs> Alpha Breaths too, the return of the breath. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Do you have any last words for the listeners? No, thank you. I mean, if, if you want to, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, you're welcome to like, you know, follow me on social media that I try not to be on, um, you know, like Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And, you know, my website's got some other resources and announcements about um, books and workshops and stuff like that. Um, but this has been a blast and, and hopefully I'll see you um, in person um, at some point. I know I'm yeah. going to be out in Western Mass in January doing a, um, uh, what is it, kind of like the, the science and spirit of Buddhist parenting, I think, oh, wow. at, at the... Uh, I uh, in St. Meditation Society of Pioneer Valley. So, oh, yeah. I might I might drag my wife to that. <laughs> we've been we've been talking a lot, doing more um, practice with that because I kind of look at myself through through the ages, identifying more with the the Buddhist philosophy and Buddhist psychology. And um, my wife has kind of that, that path as well. So, I'll have to email you to get the deets on that and and go forward with it. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at the Promethean project.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean project, or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at the Promethean project.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, Please share with your friends. Please like our posts on social media and Instagram and on Facebook. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.